We are the Average Jays. As always, I'm Jay Justin Ruiz. I'm Jay Jeremy Francois. We're back at it again on today, August 8th, with another episode. And we are gonna, we have a couple of different things to, to break down, but first things first, for all the Twitch streamers, um, who, whoever's joining us live on twitch.tv slash the average Jays, we will be announcing the winner of the raffle from Tampa Bay Comic Con yeah. today after the episode. So during our after dark, just stick around and that'll be the first thing that we do at the top of our after dark, uh, segment. And yeah, we'll, we'll do the drawing live on air and then, um, like we had mentioned over the weekend uh, during Tampa Bay Comic Con, that we will, you know, contact and do the whole video on Instagram as well. But yeah. for all those watching live, that's the thing that we're going to cover first in our After Dark. But before we get into that, we have to go through our docket for the week. So first things first, we have some more news from the Actors and Writers Strike. Jay, go ahead and take that one. Yeah, so some flagrant nonsense from WB. Flagrant. Yes, I use that word. We're gonna learn some stuff today. So I just want to give you the title of the of this. You're gonna you've seen it around uh, on the interwebs. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery claims that Hollywood strike saved them over a million. Oh, sorry, a hundred million dollars. That doesn't make sense to me, and I think it's either. This is like my thought. This is my initial thoughts. The only reason you're saving money is because you're not paying anyone. That's like my initial thought. And then it's also like you scrapped a lot of things before then. So this just seems like a lie just to say, yeah, we're saving money because we're not paying people. But it's like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and that's <laughs> what, what I was think? just, I was, that's what I was just going to say. Like they're saving money by not having to pay for projects and people, but like, they're not making money. Like, I'm sure they're not, you know, at zero dollars, but like, like their bank account, I'm sure still has money in it, but like, they're not making extra income, you know? Yeah. So basically, uh, where I'm pulling this information from, and I'm just going to read you some excerpts here from, uh, comic book resources. And then they have like nice little nuggets here. So basically, and we, I know you and I would think this way, and I'm sure many avid, uh, people, Avid people, avid intelligent people, people that read. Our avid listeners. Avid listeners. So basically, WB Discovery Executive claims that um, they're saving all this money, but the strike may impact the timing and performance of future film releases. That's a no-brainer. Like, we know this is going to affect them in the future. They're going to they're gonna bleed money. If this continues on for, I would say, months, not weeks, because weeks, I would say months, if this continues on, this will make them bleed. Oh, yeah. I forget where I was listening to this. Either it was uh, Good Morning America or I forget what news outlet I, I heard this from. But it's like, if we keep, well, if this strike, I say we, but in my heart, I feel like I'm part of the, the union. If the strike keeps going and they, I just feel this, it's just one big game of chicken, you know? Especially, oh, on, sure. especially on the side of the, of the big, the big, the money makers, the, the big hat honchos, because they're here trying to out, they're trying to like wait out the the writers and the mm -hmm. actors. But it's like, bro, if you don't do what you need to do and do what's right for you know, do what's right, 
you're going to come out with horrible, horrible TV shows. And, oh, then, yeah. you know, it unfortunate, you know, pandemic was a, a bittersweet thing for many, many people. Because of that, we lost, uh, like when I look at Marvel specifically, you know, they were on time with our timeline, minus the five, you know, spoilers, if you haven't seen Endgame, there's a five-year gap, but there's supposed to be some, um, every, they were always on point. But now we're being, it's being pushed. So with this added on it, it's like, how do you come back? Then? How do you scramble around? Because all we're going to mm-hmm. get is, I, with the trailer with Loki, uh, you know, we got, we got the Loki trailer. And it's like, okay, that's done. We still are, we're still on the strike. And then it's like, how do we get our next Marvel fix? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, we're, not we, I say we, I keep saying we, but they're, the big head honchos are going to be in trouble if they don't do what's right. So here, this, this throwing this, oh, we're saving money aspect is kind of dumb to me because that doesn't say anything. You're just, what is it when you're like, you're flailing, you're flailing in the waters or whatever? I've always, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just, that's what it sounds like to me. I think it's dumb. Yeah. It's just them trying to make, trying to make it seem like they're okay. When in reality, everyone knows that eventually they will not be okay. Like they can be okay for now. Right. Like, like I said, they might not be hemorrhaging a lot of money just because, you know, they are a big studio. They have streaming services. They have other projects that I'm sure are bringing in money for now. But once they hit that gap where literally nothing's in the pipeline, they're going to be bleeding. Like, yeah, you're not wasting money, I guess, but you're also not getting like you're going to hit a point where you're not getting what you're used to. Um, And fun, funny thing that you put Marvel in the discussion, too. um, It's not on the docket, but I guess I'll give it an honorable mention. There is a I think five or six animators like cgi artists have started a union have started it's you know it's in its infancy right now so there's not like a lot of information on it but they started union against marvel so that they could i think they were visual effects artists yes so that they can get better working conditions because as we know and it's been in the news multiple times disney and marvel you know wrecked their employees like they like with the whatchamacallit like the deadlines that they give them as well as the workloads that they expect everyone to take care of you know there's and many different marvel people have talked about it also saying how like you know we get a year to work on this thing and within that you get like a week to work on this scene and because of that crunch time it doesn't look as good and it's not like you know we, we see crunch in video games a lot of the time and it's not the same because with video games, like while crunch is terrible, um, games could technically get put out in a garbage state. Games could get put out where they literally are unplayable and then the same day have a day one patch that fixes a bunch of bugs, right? Because the, you know, whatever programmers were able to fix things in the back end so that when you put your game in the system, it'll be fixed the first time you play it. You know, as long as you have an internet connection and all that. Movies are not like that. Movies will get shipped on the dates. You know, yeah, they can get pushed back. There could be reshoots. But once the film is out there, it's out there, you know. So it's it's rough. And that's about video games, too, because, like, they. There's a little leeway Two things like during the pandemic, 
made mad money because people stayed in. And when they announce games, they don't necessarily have to announce the release date. They can hold that yes. close to their chest until it's like, okay, I think we're getting to a, a deadline where we're not forcing mm-hmm. people to like have crunch times. And then it's like, okay, I think we're in a good place. Let's announce the release date. And they can delay them because that doesn't hurt the, the game at all. When it comes to the movie, yeah. that can hurt the movie. Like, for example, Flash. That's been delayed so many times. Uh, Justice League, uh, or sorry, Justice League has been delayed so many times. And look what came out from that. So they don't have that same luxury. Yeah, and, you know, it's... Just to kind of put a bow on this thing, you know, it's... Yeah. The time of these studios, whether that be, you know, video games or or movies, I mean, we're we're seeing it pretty heavily in, like, the movie entertainment, like, TV and movie studios right now just because of the strikes. Like, their time of, like, you know, putting everyone under their thumb is, is coming to an end. You know, it's day by day. There's more support given to these strikes from all corners of the entertainment industry. It... it it's important that creators, actors, writers, like all these people in the chain get more of what they're owed rather than giving, you know, millions and billions of dollars to the people at the top. Let's funnel that through the system where you could still be getting millions of dollars, but everyone else gets a piece of the pie also. It does work. We've seen it work in other, if you look at tech companies, small tech companies, it works. No. It works. So it's like, there's no way they're not going to make money. So moving on to something else that works, Wayne Brady today uh, with an exclusive interview through People has come out as pansexual. Now, I feel like this is more of like a celebrity gossip kind of topic. We typically don't cover these, but I felt like this one was pretty important. You know, Wayne Brady, I think a household name loved and adored by millions, if not billions of people. Um, and he's been like that for decades at this point. And he finally came out as pansexual. Uh, for all those that don't know, it means that he's attracted to people regardless of their sex or gender. Um, he, in his words, he said that he's bisexual with an open mind. Um, so it's just nice to see someone kind of embracing their truth and somebody that's in such a, you know, he's in the public eye. He's not like a random like Wayne Brady. Like is known by you know various generations across various projects that oh, he's yeah. done to this day. You know he's still very much a working actor and comedian. Like he's very out there. So um, the on top of you know he hosts a game show too. Oh yeah, there's let's make a deal. I know that one. But let's the, make the, a the deal. Popular yep. one, something about improv. It's like whose whose line is it? Oh, whose line is it anyway? Like, you know, two versions of that. It was an old one which I remember seeing him on. When I was a kid, it was like yeah. the 90s. It was and in the 90s. Back, and it came back again, maybe a couple years mm-hmm. ago. Like, he's still doing his thing. And then for, for those who grew up with How I Met Your Mother, he was uh, mm-hmm. Neil Patrick Harris's brother. brother in the in the show. Which, he's, he's it's, I'm happy that he feels, not feels that way. I'm happy that he's sharing this uh, information. I We don't hear a lot about pansexuals. Like we know yeah. they exist, or we know about the LGBTQ, um, but you know, I I think I know I forget who do I who I've heard of that is pansexual, but I think that's beautiful in its own way. Because um, if you don't look at the science of things, just just sometimes the heart is the heart, and you got to kind of go with that. 
I was going to say to your point, like it's nice to see somebody coming forth that someone who is a, you know, quote unquote, bigger celebrity, like identifying as pansexual, it does bring more light and more, I guess, awareness to that portion of the LGBTQ plus community. So it it's cool to see that. It's cool to just see someone embracing that and sharing their story and hopefully, you know, inspiring others to be okay with who they are or to share their own story as well. Yeah. My just to like kind of end it too, like I don't I just hope it's not weaponized. And not on his side, but media side. I hope it's not like a thing where be in our country where it's like Oh, it's a, it's an agenda. I, whatever side says it, I'm just like, bro, just leave it. He's just expressing his truth. Let it go. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on into more TV and movie news. First one up, we have the studios in the headlines yet again. And, um, we actually just spoke about them, but this is coming off of a, an article on comic book resources also. The Paramount CEO, so the CEO of Paramount Studios, has come out and said that they will no longer be producing original animated movies, just IP. So IP being intellectual property, they're only focusing on stuff they already own, and they are not focusing on bringing us original content. Yeah, that honestly, that to me seems, if you're trying to save money, I think that works. So certainly, I, again, in my opinion, like the first thing that pops in my head is Ninja Turtles. We already know yeah. there's going to be a show after the movie. So yeah. definitely develop, do what Disney did back in the day. Just develop your IP. Do, do what WB has done. Um, now, don't be evil like these companies, but just definitely do that because you still give us original live content. Uh, but if, if this is a specifically original animated, animated. I, can, I can definitely see this working. And then maybe one day they just like they cheat a little bit. They do create something original, and then they're like, "There's no law saying that we can't, you know, renege on the thing that we're saying because it's their studio. They can do whatever they want." But this being a focus, I'm I'm down for it. See, and it's weird because I feel like I'm on the other side. Okay. So while I'm all I'm always down for adaptations of stuff like uh like t- like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? Mut- Mutant Mayhem is coming is coming out and you know there's a couple people that have been like not okay with it but the majority they love it so i'm always down with adaptations especially if they're handled correctly like give me more of the stuff that i love but on the other hand you know typically studios have done a thing of like um putting out another project based on an ip and making that like mega dough off of it which allows them to then take a chance or chances on original content. Like if we think about it, right? Like you, you mentioned Disney, right? The Disney Renaissance in the nineties was a massive deal. All of that was original content. And it came at a point where Disney was kind of going low, right? When you look at Lion King, when you look at Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, I mean, even stuff like Pocahontas, even though Pocahontas uh, kind of lost that, I get, I think, against uh, Lion King. Yeah. Um, but though the movies of that generation, Mulan, you know, we're getting a little towards the 2000s there, but Lilo and Stitch, all of these things were original, those original content. Yeah. They weren't established IPs. 
you know, and with that, that allowed them to do adaptations like, you know, all the different Disney shows that they had that spun off from the movie. Hercules, I think, had two shows. Uh, Lion King had Timon and Pumbaa. Aladdin had a show that never spin off movies from Aladdin. You know, it was stuff like that. Yeah, I think, yeah, and I hear what you're saying on that. The only difference is, um, oh, one of our fans says, nice shirt. I, I'm assuming it's you or me. It could be. I mean, we're the only two on screen. So if you're a Bucky's fan, hell yeah. But if you're a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan and an Ewok stan, go for it. <laughs> yeah, he, I, actually, I know this fan and um, he saw me wear this shirt the other day. So I think it's. He's trying to troll me right now. But anyway, um, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but the only difference is that Paramount, I want to say is relatively younger than Disney because Disney had time to develop their IP and then go into this renaissance where Paramount has like, and then, and this is a hard thing for me because now that you're saying that, I'm thinking, when I think Paramount, I think of Nickelodeon, but even though it's owned by, is it like, does Nickelodeon still have its own range within the company? Kind of like how Marvel does within Disney. So I don't know the legality between the two. Of them. Well, this is Paramount as a whole. So the Paramount CEO, so all the companies under the Paramount umbrella will be abiding by uh, the CEO's kind of ruling. This is Brian Robbins. Okay. And also this come all of this information comes from a interview that he did with Variety. Gotcha. So you have to remember, like, just this past year, Paramount had Dungeons and Dragons, Transformers, and Mission Impossible. So major major uh properties right yeah now dungeon and dragons was kind of like a slow burn right it, it did pretty well when it comes to critical and audiences but yeah. it wasn't it didn't set the world on fire yeah it was just a good D property then transformers right it was better than the previous entries you know excluding uh bumblebee but again it didn't set the world on fire and it was also i feel like this transformers movie was made for transformers fans like it wasn't like there was an awesome entry point for new people you know yeah yeah although it didn't make it foreign to new fans but it it wasn't like it was more so for people that grew up and like transformers not Transformers, and they underperformed at the box office that was the thing like sales wise Transformers fans as like the movie fans you mean like transformers as a whole like the franchise yeah, like the franchise. Like I'm talking about going back to like G- Gen One. Uh, was a G One. Yes. Cartoons from the 80s. Yes. And then moving forward, because then you got like 90s, 2000s with uh, Beast Wars and all that. So you know, you you kind of have to, like my wife Erica. You know, we went to go see it, and she liked it a lot. She also really liked it because of Anthony Ramos. Oh yeah. But sure. then I took my dad, and he had such a better like. Seeing that movie with him was such a different experience because he's been a Transformers fan since the 80s. And he understood and recognized a lot of the different content, the different uh, the cameos and stuff like that. So, like, it, it, it was more so for the, the lifelong uh, Transformers fans. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, I, I get it. It could work. And I'm not, I'm sure it will, because, you know, when you give people more of what they want, then you're not really going wrong. Yeah, but, I think I, I just said, like, not to take back what I said, I would say it works, but it shouldn't work long term. Okay. Like, I would like to see them do more, like, same thing, Sonic, like, this Knuckles show, like, I see this working, 
Um, cause if they, again, True. I always wholeheartedly believe in the Star Wars, uh, uh, world where they, all characters live in this canon world, but they can go through any medium. And the fact that mm-hmm. James Gunn is doing that with the DCU property, I love it. But then at some point it's going to get old. Give it a couple years, it'll get old. It would be the new MCU mm-hmm. where it's like we're getting this, not superhero fatigue, but we're getting, uh, a specific universe fatigue. Like I was talking to someone mm-hmm. today about it. Like we're getting this fatigue where it's like, and, because we keep getting this interconnected world where when growing up, especially before phase, like within phase one, I've always liked the idea of interconnectivity, but specifically yeah. um, Tarantino's world. Cause they weren't like, mm-hmm. I didn't need to watch Reservoir Dogs to see Pulp Fiction, but they're both connected. Like I didn't have to, I love that's like, like in my stories, I love to have that interconnectivity, but it's not something where it's like, I have to, you know, like for example, for my story, I don't have to read Napoleon to read uh, yeah. in Heroes. That that doesn't make sense. Like, but they exist somehow. They just don't need to be in, like that's that's what I love. Easter eggs that connect. Yeah, I don't need and yeah, it's, this whole comic book world. You know, like you know all the you know DC and yeah, Marvel. everything happening at the same time across the same plane. Exactly. Like with Tarantino's things, it's like they could be it's like one character could be mentioned in another movie or i think it was kill bill is a movie that a person in the pulp fiction universe could go see there's something like that there's one of his movies is like an actual movie that would play in a theater in another one of his films okay i didn't know that okay so yeah so it's not like they don't all occupy the same world yes and that also kind of talks to like he likes to recycle actors sometimes so the same actor can play different characters because those characters literally do not occupy the same space. Like it could happen decades apart. Like I said, it could, something could be a movie in it. Like there, there's different ways that he likes to kind of connect his stuff, but it is all connected. Yeah, so like, that's like my type of world. Like if I ever were to mm-hmm. build a franchise or some sort of world, that's how I would like it to be. I don't need it to be a universe. In a sense, like the, the universe that people know now. Um, but yeah, give, I'm I'm all for the original IP. Uh, I just hope it's not. Uh, I hope it's just short lived. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the same mindset. I think, I think you're right in terms of like, it, it definitely would work short term. But after like, I don't know, three four years of just getting adaptations of a bunch of stuff, like I'd be like, all right, man, like. Give me something fresh. Because animation is coming up. Uh, and not coming up. It is coming But it's taking more presence in the Oscar world. Like, animation is oh, a yeah. thing. So it's like, we're going to need original animation. And if you want to compete with other studios, definitely got to make original stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, but talking about original stuff, next topic mm-hmm. here is um, a movie that I don't know. Maybe I'll go see, but like, okay. I doubt it. I mean, I'm definitely not going to see it in the theaters, but maybe I'll see it when it comes to streaming. When you watch it during um, the daytime? Yeah, yeah, during the daytime, low volume, all the lights on. Um, <laughs> A24's latest horror movie, Talk to Me, came out, what, two weeks ago? July 28th, right? Whatever day that was. Came out July 28th, and it's been at the top of the box office. 
What? That was we were in Comic Con that day. Oh yeah, we were I in just Comic-Con. know that. Yep. <laughs> so and it was uh, it's been steady at the top. It's already got. It got 14 million globally and 10 million uh, in North America in its first weekend. And that was A24's second biggest opening weekend ever after Hereditary. And Hereditary was a massive uh, thing for them. So right now, um, Talk to Me sits at 26 million globally. And you got to remember, this is during the same release window as Barbie and Oppenheimer. So it's it's up there with two heavy hitters. Barbie just crossed a billion dollars. So, you know, to see an, an you know, quote unquote indie movie, because A24, it is bigger than it used to be. But an indie horror movie being able to kind of like stay in the ring with two heavyweights at the same time. It's a pretty cool thing to see. Yeah. Now, what I think is mind boggling is that literally after two weeks it got greenlit for a sequel and they announced it via you know x formerly known as twitter with a with a teaser image which is like like to me this is like they are moving at breakneck speed like and but and you know that's not like something new. I think the way I see it is, it is still it is still shocking, especially for the type of movie like that. I won't take away, but it's just like that tells me that I should see this movie because it is something to believe in. Speaking of A twenty four, you mentioned that in their quote unquote indie, but they're still a big studio. But the things they believe in creativity, and that's why I love them. I would love to. I'd rather work for them before I work for Disney or WB, and that's saying yeah. a lot. But uh, that's besides the point. So you look at, and I remember this from when Ninja Turtles, the 2012 version came out. When season two was coming mm-hmm. out, they announced season three and four. Sorry. I think when, yeah, they announced season three and four because they, they, they purchased season three and four when season two started. Mm-hmm. And it's like season two hasn't even dropped yet. And you're ordering season three and four. Like, that's why, but well, they, that was also you believe in the project. That was like Rick and Morty when Rick and Morty. Oh, when when they did season three or four, yeah. Then they bought like to season I think ten seasons or eight yeah. seasons, and it was like whoa, okay. Um, and each season of that show takes almost two years yeah. to like anime and to come out. And now you know we had all those issues with Justin Roiland, so this season's even going to take longer. So. You're talking, so it's just yeah, yeah. You're talking about you. I mean, they couldn't have predicted the writer strike back then, for sure. sure. But you're talking about a roadmap that's ten years long, at least for four seasons of an animated show. Which you know, that's a pretty big commitment, especially something that is an Adult Swim original. Like, typically shows there, like they do have longer lifespans because Adult Swim does have its own like catered to audience that they like yeah. to do stuff for but to see a show like that have such prominence there oh, yeah. it's, it's it's pretty huge and it's become part of the zeitgeist it's not like because oh like yeah people you know there are people that love robot chicken but their robot chicken doesn't have the same love i, I could assume because i don't i'm never really on adult swim like um rick and morty i remember when rick and morty came out when it initially came out i was like oh it's one of those adult swim shows that was like my first mentality 
But then you hear people talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And it's like, okay, I'll check it out. And then it has that regular shirt type, regular show type vibes, but for adults. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to stick with this. So, but the, the idea of green lighting things too fast can also not look good. You got the Velma show on WB. I think literally then, but the, the crazy thing about that one is they greenlit that before the show dropped. I think it was like a week before. Yep. And it didn't yep. do so hard. And I'm like, look, you may believe it. Be terrible. In, you, you may believe in it, but it's like something, like I watched the first two episodes. I was like, I was digging it, but then there was too much of something that was happening. And I was like, mm. I even watched the show. I think I watched the first two episodes and I stopped it. Yeah. So Same. I was, like, I was like, I don't care to watch this. Now, uh, the Superman show, I'm digging it. I still need to see the latest episode. They haven't greenlit the second season for that, but I hear good things about it. But yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, like you said, it, it's a double-edged sword. It could be really good, and you could be capitalizing on something that could be a smash hit, or you can kind of shoot yourself in the foot. Like, see, they signed for season two of Velma, right? Now, they have to come back with a vengeance Yep. For people to even care about that show because it did so bad because it did so bad the first time, you know, originally the hook was, you know, Velma played by Mindy Kaling. She had a producer's credit and I believe she did some writing, too, but I could be wrong. But it was a minority Velma. She was gay. Like there was themes that have been shown across decades for Velma. That were finally coming to fruition with the superstardom of, you know, maybe not superstardom, but with the no, the no popularity of Mindy Kaling. Yeah. She was someone that you could see bringing this project, you know, bringing it around, so to speak. And then it hit and it just like was trying too hard on all these different comedic things that they were trying to do. And it just did not pan out right at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then with this, like I was saying, um, Talk to Me is getting a sequel. The sequel is still called Talk to Me, but the two is literally now a letter two. Got it. So Talk to Me. Talk twice. Yeah, and weird, not weird thing, but I guess it kind of like is a coincidence. A24 is one of the only studios that is actually granted like amnesty from the SAG strike going on right now. The writers and the and the SAG strike. Yeah. They are still allowed with certain projects to continue. And I wonder if, you know, they were allowed to like if they got this greenlit from before, like before the movie dropped and they were talking with the different unions and they were like, hey, can we do this? You know, like can we continue Hopefully this thing? That, yeah, that's something to look into because that's a that- Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they it was during because it's like I don't want to like you know right like quote unquote right like be all behind a twenty four like they're not the bad guys like I'm not saying I don't know them like personally yeah but out of the other companies they seem to be doing something right they really if you're believing in in the crew and the and the the creators behind it I could I could assume that you you know you care. As a big as a big company, you got companies like Bloomhouse. Also, like I can assume you care. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, this might have been a project that they cleared with them, and they were like, "Hey, 
you know, to keep people making money because this is a smaller studio, smaller actors, you know, smaller teams in general for these movies. Like they were given the green light to finish up other projects. So maybe they capitalize that and were like, hey, just so that we don't go dark because we don't have as much money as the next thing. Like, can we keep doing this? And maybe that's why they greenlit this one so fast. They were like, all right, let's just come on. Let's do it. Let's get it done. We'll get the, the second one out in eight months. You know what I mean? Like just something to kind of keep people working. So last but not least on the TV and movie news, it has already been 10 years it's wild. since since the cinematic masterpiece changed the face of the world forever. This, well, this was competing with Marvel movies. I said yes, that, it I was. Say that facetiously. <laughs> and it got notoriety. It did. So the, the one, the only Sharknado is celebrating its 10th year with a Barbie twist. So it got announced it's going to be uh, heading to theaters for a limited engagement. And the poster that it has is the like main characters riding this like Barbie-esque pink car, holding a chainsaw out the top, right? It's a convertible, so the top's down. And way in the distance is the Sharknado happening. And, you know, the font and everything is reminiscent of uh, Barbie's poster and all that. But it was just funny to look at, funny to see, and, like, crazy to think that this movie is still, to this day, it is a part of the zeitgeist. Like, people talk about it. Like, it got, like, eight sequels and, like, I think a couple spinoff things. But, you know, it was a sci-fi original movie that just, like, blew up because of how ridiculous it was. You had, like, actual actors cameoing in it, in the various projects and all that. Um, and, you know, it leaned into what it was and knew what it is, you know, but it's just funny I mean, to see I 10 years later. It. I just know about it. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those things where I'm like, I know it's like, I haven't seen like Centipede, but I know that was like a, a hit as well when it first came out. It's like a small movie. Centipede was. I don't even know what that is. You ever heard of Centipede? Human Centipede? Cent- Sorry, no. Human Centipede. Oh, Human Centipede, Sorry. yes. I yes, know human human centipede. Centipede. I kept saying Centipede, but yeah, Human Centipede. But uh, yeah, I really yeah, like, yeah. I'm looking at the Hollywood Reporter, and because I did see it earlier, but I didn't really like pay attention to it because I was like, oh, it's another Barbie thing. But it's dope that it does, it catches your eye because it's like, oh, what is, what about Barbie? But then you see it and it's like, it's Sharknado. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love the, the tag, it's more sharks, more NATO. That makes me laugh. It's just, it's so funny, you know, Tara Reed, um, who you can, I guess, say she was in the, lower point of her career when she did the first one she's the one of the main characters yeah back in 2013 she starred in this movie then you had all these other ones it was sharknado 2 the second one that's literally what it's called that's the sub that's the subheading the second one that's great then you had sharknado 3 feeding no you had sharknado feeding frenzy which is like a sub movie i guess then sharknado 3 oh hell no that's that's the the title, Sharknado: The Fourth Awakens. Stop. Sharknado, yes, dude. Sharknado Five: Global Swarming, and then Sharknado Six, the last Sharknado. It's about time, <laughs> dude. Like I would. This what? would make me. I, I don't think it's like it's enough to make me want to watch them. 
the titles alone. It, <laughs> and it's like, the I fourth, know I'm going in the there with fourth no Awakens is great. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that's a way to like, you type that into like Siri or like your Alexa and you're looking for Star Wars, but you get this. Like, what's this about? Is it about Star Wars too? No. What I want to know is what's the deal with the in-between movie Feeding Frenzy. So two Sharknado movies came out that year. So in 2015, it was Sharknado Feeding Frenzy and then Sharknado 3. Oh, hell no. But like, is Feeding Frenzy like an in-between pool in between two and three? Gonna have to watch and find out. (laughs) Dude, all these came out. Listen, (laughs) the first one was 2013. Second one was 2014. Feeding Frenzy and Oh, hell no. Both came out in 2015. The Fourth Awake in 2016, Global Swarming 2017, Last Sharknado 2018. They did not stop filming these freaking movies for five years. They just kept going and going and going. You know, energizer just kept crazy. Um, that's that's wild. Look, if I ever had the time and I'm rich as heck, I'll sit down and watch them just for the just for the lulls. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, if me and you were, like, easily, like, could get together or something, like, that's something, like, I would just be like, yo, let's, and that's what you let's did. pig out and watch Sharknado. Because yeah. <laughs> I think you did that um, in college for uh, Saw. It was, like, I think at the yeah. time. Yeah, I did that with Andrea. Right? Yeah. There was six at the time or five? I don't remember. Eight. Man, there was a lot of them. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the tenth one is coming out. Uh, it might have been six or seven. Uh, or maybe this, is not not counting, eight. this is not counting the one that uh, Chris Rock did. That Chris Rock did, no. no. That one is, is actually really good. I saw that when it when it came out on Netflix. But it didn't do well, no? I don't think so. Critically, yeah. But it was, I liked it a lot. It was good. And the ending was, uh, it was a fun little, you know, saw twist at the okay. end. Um, but I enjoyed it. I'll check it out when I can. Whenever that. And it's not like, it's not over the top like a lot of the other saws are. This one's a little more thriller. It's a detective. Yes. Like that noir. Up. You know? Yeah, I remember. It, yeah. yeah. I'll check it out. But yeah, uh, Sharknado is still Sharknadoing uh, across the world. And, you know, we <laughs> we uh, we love to see it. <laughs> and more NATO. More shark, more NATO. Moving away from the Sharknados of the world and heading into the video game sphere. We're gonna go into. We're gonna go into the Pokemon Presents that we just uh, received today. Yes, I believe. Yes, it was earlier today. So, Pokemon Presents, just uh, for a quick background for anyone who doesn't know, it's kind of like a Nintendo Direct, Sony showcase. These are video game showcases from the actual uh, console companies that they kind of like show their first party stuff. For Pokemon Presents, it is literally just the Pokemon company and their properties, what's coming out. And um, I'm going to go through, there's a list of a couple different things, and then we'll break them down. So there's going to be a new animated series that's focused on the actual traded trading card game, rather than like the Pokemon series that we're used to. So Pokemon Path to the Peak. Yeah, so I guess it'll be like Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. Um, we got the a tr- an official trailer for Detective Pikachu Returns, long-awaited sequel to the DS Classic. We got a sneak peek at Pokemon Horizons, the series. It'll be coming soon. 
that's it. It only, it only has coming soon, no release date. We do know that Ash's story is slated to wrap up in the beginning of September for the current Pokemon anime. We know that, you know, it's it already happened in Japan, I believe, but it's yeah. not airing here until September. Um, Pokemon Go is getting Pal- Paldia region monsters. So the starters from Scarlet and Violet and a couple other um, Pokemon that are native to the region will be coming Pokemon Go starting next month. So starting in uh, September, we're also getting Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy on Nintendo Switch Online and Pokemon Stadium 2 for Nintendo 64 uh, for the online plus expansion pack. If you have that, that is available today, which is pretty sick. Question for you. Was that something that we had as kids or was that a Japan only thing? Because I don't remember that. No. So the first one, I think there was a second one that was Japan only, but the first one we had as kids and I actually never got it. I missed this one as when it came out because it came out for the OG Game Boy, not for the Game Boy Color or anything like that. I mean, you could have played it on it, but it was for the original Game Boy. It's probably one of those things because I didn't own a Game Boy and I didn't own Game Boy Color, so... Reverse. It came out for Game Boy Color, not original Game Boy. Excuse me. So I didn't have um, a Game Boy Color, so and I wouldn't but, privy to that. So apparently, it actually like, and I've seen a couple videos on the game itself. Very well fleshed out. The you know art on the in the game is pretty fun, and it has its own like system. Like you're not traveling from town to town, really. It's like you you have a deck, and you're building the deck and fighting against different like. I guess gym leaders in its own way. It you know, looks it's, dope. It looks very reminiscent of classic Pokemon games. Like, like, yeah. And th- that came out before, I assume. Mm, I don't think Fire so. Before I Red. believe, I believe it came out right after really? Gen One. Wow. Okay. It I mean, I could be wrong, but it looks I'm like something pretty that sure was before. And then it's like that was a test. It looks like a testing ground before the yeah before because. Red. Because the main stuff is just the cards. Like, there's not a lot of meat to the game, but the card and the card playing is like the actual gameplay, and it's really robust. And they have a lot of cards, and a lot of the cards are actually like almost one to one pixel remakes of what the real life cards looked like. So it was pretty cool to see that that art in there. But um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I believe I believe it came out after. Hold on, I'm gonna double check really quick. No, yeah, do that. Um, that it's it's pretty dope because it's like. If I remember playing, I think it was Game Boy Color or Game Boy Advance, there was a Yu-Gi-Oh game which allowed you, and you had to have the actual card, and there was a way to tell if the Yu-Gi-Oh card was real. There was a yeah, number on yep. it that you could put. Yeah. It would be dope if they had that same thing with that Pokemon game, and even to this day with the Switch, would you still be able to implement if you still have those I cards? I feel like they had something similar to that, but I could be wrong. Yeah, But you would have to have the OG cards. You can't use the new cards. Because it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, it has to date go back to the the one one hundred and one Pokemon's Pokemans. Yeah. So, okay, came out in Japan December Japan December eighteenth nineteen ninety eight. It came out in North America April tenth two thousand. Okay. So it would have been it would have been after. Yeah, it would have been after the the original the original games. The original Kanto games. But yeah, I mean, I'm now happy because now I can go back into it and kind of play it and then see what's up. I mean, I'm sure it's 
maybe a five hour game, but like, yeah, it, it'll be cool to I at least see it. I think it has multiplayer, I believe. Oh, it definitely could. Yeah. I don't know. It should. Um, I, believe, I believe they mentioned that was like one of the, the things on there. Honestly, I can't wait to play these old games on the Switch. Zelda, like when they like, it's so great that these are out. I can just play yeah. them, and, and they're free. Thank God, you know, well, free with, the, with, uh, online. with a subscription. But the subscription is yeah. like nothing. Still, yeah. And then, yeah, again with the expansion pack, we're getting Pokemon Stadium two added in there. The first one was ready there, but now we have two. Next thing here, Mew and Mewtwo are yeah. both coming to Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which actually I was like, oh snap. Awesome. Do I boot this game up again and go for it? Um, because, fun fact, Mew is actually instantly free. Uh, you go into the mystery gift and you type in the code "get your Mew." So G E T Y O U R M E W, get your Mew, all one word, and you get Mew right then and there. It's a level five, and it is a random Terra type. So if you're a Pokemon nerd. It is literally like at random you get that third typing. Everyone, you know, is gonna get a chance at getting something different. Oh, and remind me, you said where do you type this in when you boot up? So in the menu uh, when you boot up the game, uh, it might also be in the pause menu. I don't think you have to go to little like that. Sounds like mystery box kind of a thing. Yeah, it's it's exactly that. It's just mystery gift. I think you could just do it straight from the pause menu. Okay. you just enter, yeah, mystery gift menu. I think it's right on, I think it's right in the pause menu. Um, it, it also could be in that like random, you know, like where all the, where the shop and, uh, healing and all that stuff is. And you could connect to the internet from them. Okay. There's, there's spots in the game where it's all three. It's the Poke Center, Pokemart, and, uh, the online thing. It might be a menu in there, but I think it's just from your straight, from your regular menu. But you enter that that code, you get Mew right then and there, and then Mew Two is a terror raid that will be going. Um, it doesn't say when it's ending, but the terror raid battle starts September first. So next month you'll be able to to take down Mew Two and then catch him. Um, Pokemon Palad Paldean Wins is a animated web series that's coming September sixth. Oh, and the last big one is, or the last, the last piece, I guess, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet's first DLC, uh, comes in September 13th. So they are paid DLCs. It is the Teal Mask is the first one. And it included, they announced two new characters. Um, they're two new legendaries. So it's a, let me see if I could get it really quick. It was a spin on, Raikou and the deer Pokemon from Sword and Shield. Those were the two new, like, paradox, like, past and future Pokemons. That's. Is that what I've been seeing on as well? That he looks weird? Yes. Is that just a glitch because of the way that the game's been glitching? No. Oh, God. That's exactly what it looks like. So I don't want Ra- it. Raikou was one of the legendary lions from Gen, Gen two. 3. Two. Gen 3. Two. 3. You're right. 
No, yeah, you're right. Three. It's three. Okay. Because <laughs> it's Lugia, Gen three. Lugia uh, and Ho-Oh. Yeah, and Ho-Oh were two. I was like, am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, no, no. Uh, it's from right. Gen 3. Um, he was the lightning one, and now he is, I think his code name is like Long Neck or something like that, and he's literally like a Long Neck dinosaur. That's probably, you know what it is too, speaking of that? When I was migrating my Pokemon over, I think he was one of them I couldn't migrate over because I was able to migrate other Pokemon as well. And oh, I they might, I have, yeah, they might. I think I have from Mew it. and Mewtwo too in there. I think I couldn't migrate them. But now if there's this little patch, I probably can move something over. But there's like Pokemon that I'm surprised that I can't move over. But then again, it just depends. But I guess. So it's been, you know, speaking about the, the two new ones, there's been a pretty visceral um like reaction to these guys uh they do kind of suck if i'm being honest like, i I'm saw not a comparison of him and the long neck from half horizon yes <laughs> like and you know i'm not a big I, I didn't love this last generation game um i also didn't love the all of the paradox pokemon some of them were kind of cool but others were just like like why would you do that like they did the same thing with suicune and it became that like weird dinosaur looking thing. When was this? Oh, it's one of the. Oh, it's I one of the. the it was one of it, they put him in after, but it's a thing. Okay, yeah, I did not see that. Yeah, so he's basically. Yeah, it's Raikou's paradox form. Um. Oh no, you were right. He's from. They're from Gold and Silver. I guess I just well, I no, guess I think of it as Gen three because of the movies. It's it, but it yeah, is because it's from the Gen second 2. one. The second movie I, I saw it that way too because Zapdos is the electric one because I always yeah. aligned them up and then I think Gen three is one of those ones with Celebi. Uh, that was the Hoenn region. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I, I forget because I know Zapdos, Articuno, and Moltres were part of one slash two. But then the popular ones were Lugia and Ho-Oh for Gen 2 slash 1. It's a weird blend. But we're both right. Yeah, and then the, So they had that one, which everyone's hating on. And then Iron Crown, which is the, the one based on the deer from Sword and Shield. And that one, I'm like, it's just a, ro- it's a robot deer. That's all it is. That's, it's, that's it. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Like it's not egregious, but it's all right, I guess. And um, you know, they they also announced a couple like they saw they showed in the trailer a couple different forms of some other Pokemon also, so like other evolutions. Um, so we'll see some we'll see more as we get closer and once the teal mask actually drops again, it is paid. It's not free DLC, but uh, keep an eye out for that and all the news that I'm sure will be coming out um leading up to that. Um, sticking with video games here, uh, something that was actually pretty cool that I feel like should be talked about because it was pretty badass. So a blind Street Fighter six player won at, uh, this weekend's Evo tournament, I believe evolution champion series Um, because there were certain rank. He he lost at some point, but he went really far because there's a ranking thing, right? Yeah, he went. I think he went like he got up there. Yeah, it was uh ten. Yeah, he he got knocked out right before the grand finals. Gotcha. But he got all the way up there. He reached out of seven thousand players. He reached 
2049. So he was top 2000. Um, and the total, it was a total of 10,000 competitors, right? Yeah, something like that. But it, absolutely it's freaking wild. But it's, we should be wild. He should get the, the, the accolades and the applause. And now I'm not going in the sense, I'm not trying to go in the steer into the sense of like we shouldn't be. But I love mm-hmm. that the accessibility of games has come so far. Like, talk about talk whatever you want about consoles and whatever, but the fact that Sony and, and Microsoft really went hard on accessibility and and it shows especially with the controls. Like there's a separate control for these consoles. Like it's its own oh, yeah. entity. And I don't know what, what system this was on. I'm assuming uh, PlayStation. Um, yeah, PlayStation. It says here, I'm sure you're getting your news here on Kotaku. He turned it on, yes. just started playing. And because he's blind, I guess, I don't know how this would work, but again, I, I'm not blind, but there's audio cues and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me think of like in movies where when a blind person goes to see a movie, they have like things inside just detailing the thing on screen. But the difference here is this is, Talk about hand-eye coordination, hand-ear coordination, like that. Yeah, man. That is some daredevil, I want to curse, but, oh, like, I'm happy <laughs> for this guy. And it's it's great. I keep thinking, every time I read it, I just start blind swordsman. Like, bro. It's insane. So, like, so, yes, there was 10,000 competitors at the entire, um, like, I guess let's call it a conference the at Evo, right? It's a tur- it's a game tournament, but there was 10,000 altogether and 7,061 entrants for Street Fighter 6. He got all the way up to 2,000. So he took out like he's lasted longer than 5,000, which is it's great. I don't it's know bananas. why as you said 5,000, I was thinking and this is just me nerding out because you know one piece. That scene when he post time stick time skip where he meets all the the fishmen and he knocks half of them and it's 5,000 mm-hmm. fishmen like that's me right now like he just said let me use my observation hockey knock out the freaking thing and just the low levels, the low and levels. get to the big guys yeah oh man. so so yeah so blind warrior Sven is his uh his handle uh he has a YouTube channel and everything he lost his eyesight at the age of six to cancer which he eventually beat um, and then he's been a Twitch and YouTube streamer. He showed up at this tournament. He's been a Street Fighter um, player for years and years. And he's learned, like Jay said, he's learned to play the game through audio cues and with the accessibility controllers that he has. So his controller, I believe, has Braille on it. And it's kind of it looked kind of like an augmented um, joystick controller. So literally like also, an arcade. He's not, so he's not using the accessibility controller but just accessibility said just looking i'm looking at an image right now so yeah so he might have been using his the actual controller but like some people use the joystick and buttons one like the arcade flat controller yeah um but i saw him using with a braille it's like a braille and certain keys okay but for the tournament maybe he was actually using a regular controller now this is though, I, and I got to. I I feel like I have to just read out this point because I read this like I was listening to a radio show. Like remember in uh, Legend of Korra when they're doing the tournament, you got the announcer mm-hmm. just reading it. I, there's this like small snippet on Kotaku, and he goes, um, "Oh, 
Uh, Blind Warrior Sven, with the black blindfold across his eyes, kicked off the first round with a pretty clean victory, crossing up Eternal Pancake, which is the guy who's fighting, finishing him with Ihanda's level 3 special move called the Final Bout. Round 2 went to Eternal Pancake, who played much safer this time around, punishing Blind Warrior Sven with attacks, uh, with attacks to get a victory on the board. At this point, matches 1-1. So I'm just like reading this and I was like, bro, I could imagine seeing this. Like, I wish I'm definitely after this, like maybe tomorrow I'm going to watch this on YouTube. I have to find this and I have to see this. And if, I'm not going to finish the rest of it because it's too cool to read. You guys read it or watch it. Definitely go check it out because that's just super impressive. There needs to be more people uh, with accessibility to go uh, nice, I with more uh the word is escaping me. People that use accessibility for games, it needs to be more than in the uh, gaming arena, as, as people would Yeah, say. like in the tournament space. Yes. And, and this is and, a great, like... I was just going to say, it's a it's a great, like, success story. Like, it's not like he's, like... Yes, he's, you know, quote-unquote, he does have a handicap because of his blindness, but he still enjoys and plays games just like everyone else. All he does is toggle a setting, and he plays, and he can kick ass. Yeah. Um, and then I was also going to say, it, this is why e-streaming or e-sports is, like, dope. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, this is, like, not saying it is the future. It is now. Like, that, 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 is, that is why, during the pandemic, you didn't have basketball games. You didn't have football games. Like, you know, he is, to me, it's, I said basketball. He is the Jeremy Lin of the Knicks. And, yes, I used a sports reference for the, what, third time on this show? <laughs> and it's an old sports reference. Yeah, like, we're talk- this is 20, <laughs> 2011? Uh, yeah, maybe 2011, 2010. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's old. But yeah. it's there. It's sports. It's still um, sports. I, I'm taking it. <laughs> but yeah, you know, this is, this is cool because, you know, esports is just like regular sports. You're watching professionals excel at something that you could not. Like the normal sports fan, like they cannot play at that level, right? That's why they watch because it's cool, it's entertaining. Same thing with esports. You might play this thing, you might play it very well, you might you might love it, but there is that barrier of entry to get into the pro league. Now, seeing someone like this with a slight, you know, difference in how they play the game is so cool to see because it's like, you know, it's truly a medium that's accessible to anyone. You know, you just you just gotta hashtag get good at whatever you're playing yes. and then you could get there man like it's that's sick he and he literally sat there like the blind swordsman with a black handkerchief like a black blindfold over his eyes he was and there he now. just came in yeah he came in and f- served it up man like it's sick so congratulations to blinds blind warrior sven everyone go check it out either read the the article on kataku or go watch the the fight the actual like full-on fight with all three rounds over on his YouTube, the Kotaku article also has it, um, has the YouTube video, uh, linked right on the page. So if you want to go check it out through there. Finally, the last item of the day we have is for Red Dead Redemption. Now, people weren't too jazzed about it. So, Here's what we got. Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead, um, no. Red Dead Redemption and Undead Nightmare 
which we actually spoke about a couple weeks ago. How we wanted to see a comeback of Undead Nightmare. They're getting a re-release. It's not a remake, not a remaster. They're getting a re-release on PlayStation 5 and Switch. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. PlayStation 4? 4. Oh, no, 4 and 5. 4 and 5. So, what sucks is it is a 30 FPS port. There's no support for 60 FPS. It's not a remake or a remaster. We aren't getting any type of remake, any type of multiplayer aspects onto it. It's really well, just what, like... That's what sold the game, or not sold the game, made the game after the story. Like, it was a great yeah, it's game, just great like, story, but I think multiplayer was like, not that I think I know, but that was what why people played it. So it's just a thing. It's on PS5 already, um, but the, the re-release is the PS4 and Nintendo Switch version. But it's basically the original PS3 and Xbox 360 versions just repackaged. And the other thing that's well, really bothering them is like, what if like I never played? Well, what if I own the game? Can I do backwards capability? Because that's the question. That's nope. see, now you're stealing money from me because I you have to buy the game. But I already and you're stealing from me. What? Yeah. What sucks is it's fifty dollars. Fifty. Fifty dollars. So it's literally a direct port of a 13-year-old game with zero changes for $50. They're bugging. You know, and this is weird because Rockstar, like, you would have thought that they kind of learned their lesson from the, the GTA trilogy that they put out. It was a remake, but it did terrible. It didn't get the love that it needed. Rockstar had to apologize about it. And now they're doing a re-release, and this is just like nothing, right? What's weird, and I didn't even realize this to to going through the article, is that the map for Red Dead Redemption One, yeah, is already remade in 1080p and 60 FPS for Red Dead Redemption Two online. The map is in the Red Dead Redemption Two game. So all they would have to do is reuse that asset and bring it over. And they didn't do that. Wow. Wow. That's fun. Like. It's weird. It's a really weird thing. And I don't know. Is it weird? Or I, I think it's expected. See, like, this is like, this is Hollywood moves to me. Like, that's just like, come on. Like, I look, Rockstar does their thing. We're still waiting for the next game. Like, Do they need that much money to, to get this game done? And that's the weird thing. Like, you think of Rockstar, and for decades at this point, they've been synonymous with quality. Yeah. The last two projects that they're putting out is anything but that. You know, the GTA trilogy uh, rema- remaster, remaster, um, was such a massive disappointment for so many fans of the franchise. Like, people were waiting for that, and they were excited by it, and then, you know, Rockstar dropped the ball. And they apologized. Like, they had to make a statement on it and all that. 
now for Red Dead Redemption 1, what you know, people have been clamoring for for years is an update to it. They want, we wanted Undead Nightmare again, and then that's it. Yeah. And at this point, I guess it's just a waiting game, because that, that's very annoying. Yeah, man, it's really, it's upsetting to see something like that. Um, like, you kind of realize, like, the Switch version is, you know, it's going to always come, like, it's always going to be a little less polished than the rest of them. But this is just, like, like we shouldn't be getting Xbox 360 and PS3 versions of games anymore. Well, if anything, like, not for $50. No, hell no. Not like, digital store release or whatever, fine, I get it. Like, sure. But $50? $50? That's insane. We paid that much when it came out. And this like, was a problem, and I, did you mention Last of Us? No, I did not. They, uh, that was a problem with The Last of Us. When they, it was the remaster of the OG game for the PS5 mm-hmm. for, I believe, $60? Or maybe it was a PS70. Yeah. Why Why am I going to pay that much for a game that I've already played and beat for just upgraded looks? Granted, yes, it looked great, but I shouldn't pay 70 At most, at most... That's 40 bucks. 40 at bucks. most. Yeah. I shouldn't be paying any more than that. I shouldn't even be paying taxes on that. Just give me 40 flat. <laughs> no, I don't want no New York State tax, but like, give me that for forty flat. But it, it's true, you know. Like, it's such a, it's like a slap in the face to the fans, right? You you're waiting for it, and then finally getting all this news, and like, what are you paying for? Like, what like, like right now, you can get the digital version on Xbox. Why wouldn't you just get that? Like why as a as a PlayStation and Switch owner, why am I paying fifty dollars for this? And then like this was sucks because you know what it is too? Is to it gets people like for example, if I had the time, let's say I, I make, you know, Jay Z money, right? I can go back because I have the time. I can go pop in my PS three or three sixty and play it because I have it. Now for people like us who don't really have a lot of time, we or we don't have the luxury to pop in those our old consoles. I'm going to have to buy the game. This is like, you know, I would have to buy the game just to replay that feeling again. Like, I remember I bought, um, when I had a P- when I had my PS4 connect, when this was just PS4, I bought GTA 5 thinking I was going to play again. I popped it in, installed it, didn't play it. And I spent money on it. I spent the full 60. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why did I do that? When I, because I played the game, I beat it on the 360. Why'd I get it again? I don't know. I See, but that's a game. Online, so that's a game. Like I almost understand because when the PS4 version came out, there was updated stuff with it. Like there was that whole like first person view. There was updated graphics. Like things had like they upresed it or whatever. True, I they guess had it's, added like and it did come um, out what's at it called the end. quality of life. Yeah, yeah, it did come out. Of the 360 PS3, so I I understand yeah. that, um, but yes, being in let's say non PS5, you tell me, I'm like then that does make sense. That's two generations away. Yeah, and you know people bought, people bought it on you know PlayStation 3 360, 
again on PS4, Xbox X One, Xbox whatever one. the hell. Yes. <laughs> and then now the series now PS5. Yeah, that that thing. Yeah, that. like there are these three different versions, and they are vastly different from each other. And the multiplayer landscape is ridiculous with GTA Five. But yeah, you know, this is just to me. This is for whatever reason a random cash grab. It, they don't strike me as someone who needs it. You know, it's Rockstar. Um, but they're losing, in my eyes at least, I'm losing some like good faith. Like it's not like I'm still clamoring for GTA six. I want to know about that. Like I'm probably going to buy that, but like these little things that are happening in the meantime are Hollywood movies. like not favorable, you know? Yeah. It's leaving a bad taste in my mouth. But with that, we're done with the docket, but we have a new thing that we're going to try on for you guys. We're try some things. So Jay, you, you slap it down for all the listeners. So we did tell you guys that we're going to be, you know, doing build the nine science guy uh, thing. We're going to teach people stuff. We haven't really done that. We did that in our after dark stuff. We want to do something called a word of the day. All right. So I got you guys right now. Okay. So we talked about our favorite guy, Wayne Brady, being a pansexual. So we wanted to tie that back in with this word of the day. So, and this is why the English language is wild. It's the hardest language in the world. Yet everyone can, you know, say some syllables from it. Uh, so there's a word called ikigai, and I'll spell it for you. Or I'll say the syllables, ikigai. So, ikigai, but iki. Uh, basically, one's reason for being, which in principle is the convergence of one's personal passions, beliefs, values, and vocation. I'm going to read it again. One's reason for being. Which is a which in principle is the convergence of one's personal passions, beliefs, values, and vocation. I'm not going to use it in a sentence, but take it in. It's a Japanese word. <laughs> okay, I was just going to be like, "Yo, is that really an English word?" And I was it like, is a, it's "That a, sounds amazing." It's, it's like rendezvous. It's an English word, but yeah, you it's, know it's French. The country of origin is different, but it is the americanization of the word i guess it is the gaijin of words gaijin um i dig that a lot and i think it does kind of tie back to what we were talking about earlier it's your your reason for being the core say it again the The, uh, one's reason for being which in principle is a convergence of one's personal passions beliefs values and vocation so it's who you are at your core so like we said, with Wayne Brady coming out and expressing who he is and, you know, living his truth. Awesome. Everybody, you know, it, it's hard. It's not always an easy thing, but find your find your guy and figure out what it is and then live it, man. Live the 100% you that you are. Yeah, you use that correctly, too. I forgot to say it is a noun. So there we go. Find your icky guy, everyone. 
So now we're going to move on to the weekly wrap. So, Jay, what have you been watching, reading, or playing? All right. So watching. Um, So I mentioned earlier, uh, I'm watching the Superman, uh, my adventures with Superman. So far, so good. I thought it was going to be more like adult, but I guess that might happen later because it is on adult Mm -hmm. screen. Um, but I think the, the gimmick of the show is just the anime aspect of it. So it has a very Teen Titans, Legend of, Legend of Korra or, or Avatar. It has that feel. Um, and I like to just say it first or not say it first, say it. So people don't come at me later. Anime is not, uh, a culture thing. It's a genre that originated from Japan. So anime can be in America and, like Avatar may not be considered Japanese anime, but it is still considered anime. So for DC's My Adventure with Superman, it even though it is a DC United States property, it is a anime. Uh, but yeah, I'm checking that out. So far, I dig it. I love again. I love the slapsticky humor of uh, Avatar. So like, it does work here because. Um, so this version, if you don't know, uh, it's Clark Kent. It's like, you know, him in his young days, but it's like getting into the Daily Planet. So he's an intern. So uh, him, Lois, and... Um, wow, why am I forgetting the photographer's name? Jimmy Olsen. They're all uh, young interns. Jimmy Olsen and Clark Kent are roommates. So they, they get into the Daily Bugle, and they meet Lois Lane, who is... who her She herself is an intern, but she's like been there longer. Um, she's just trying mm-hmm. to be the best journalist that she can be, and she's trying to find out who Superman is. I think it's cool. I think you might like it, but I would say wait till the season's done so you can just binge it. They're all like half-hour mm-hmm. episodes, so it's pretty dope. Um, what else am I watching? So I finally, uh, me and the missus, so I kind of put my missus on um, Warrior for a gory show. Not gory, for a violent show. Surprisingly, she's sticking with it. She doesn't do well with hmm. violence, especially gory violence. She's sticking with it. It's one of my favorite shows since Cinemax. I'm, I rewatched season one and two while it's her first time watching it. Um, we finally got to season three, and um, I know nothing about season three. But what I dig about it is the upgraded quality because season three was is part of Max's, WB Discovery's Max's show. It's their HBO original. And I'm, 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 I'm stoked. So anyone that wants a new show, definitely check it out. It's about, it's from the writings of Bruce Lee. It's about a character who comes to the San Francisco and he is trying to find his sister and do his thing. And I don't want to say any more than that because me saying it doesn't do it justice. Just check out the trailer at most and then go watch. So if you love Kung Fu, you love martial arts, that's how I. That's how I learn how to fight. I watch martial arts movies. That's how it works. Um, if you ever, if you, you absorb ever, it through the TV. Yeah, I absorb just, it, and then I just eat a <laughs> limitless pill, and that's it. I become like super sounds powerful. like a. You ever you ever see the movie? Was it Bulletproof Monk? Where like oh. the guy works in the movie theater, and then he like his favorite I, thing is kung fu movies, I and he watches them. All. I have to see this. Yeah. So it's the main guy is Stifler from American Pie, uh-huh, Sean yeah. William Scott. Yeah, and his whole thing is he he you know works in a down a down and out movie theater, right. and he learns kung fu through watching like endless days because uh, he's a he's he a works the projector. 
Okay, got it, got he it. He works a projector, so he just spends his time watching kung fu movies. So he starts learning, and he makes, like, a little dummy, and he starts learning and, like, practicing, like, moves and stuff. And then a monk, who is Chow Young-Fat, mm. comes and, like, he's I in the middle of stuff. I remember this. Okay, I, I remember it vaguely. I, re- I know those two, ca- two actors, so I can see it in my mind's eye. It's fun. Uh, I definitely want to check it out. But that also reminds me, uh, if you ever seen Old Boy, I mean the classic, not the one that was remade. It's oh, similar in a yes, sense, not to so get into good. the the story of it, because it's very dark and you know heavy for it's a Korean movie, so they can go there. The character is locked up, and he learns how to fight by watching movies as well. He's locked up for mm. years, so he has his time to like train. Uh, but anyway, definitely check out Warrior. Over the weekend, watched um, Ninja Turtles, because you know it had to happen. All I'm going to say, fire, fire, fire. Um, one thing, not really a spoiler. They're from the Bronx, which is dope because they like say it. Mm. Dope, yeah, like because in in the in the canon, in the zeitgeist of the TMNT world, they're like in Manhattan. They do a lot yeah. of travels to Brooklyn because they always do the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Bridge or something. But I think this time they're, I want to say, South Bronx. And Dude, that's reason, awesome. The only reason they don't say it specifically, it's just because look in the comics we know like. Uh, the current run, and we know they're like, no matter what iteration, they're black. They're all black. Yeah, always. <laughs> but in the comics, the current run, they turn human. Uh, this is not the Power Rangers run. That's a different story. The current mm-hmm. run, they turn human, and all the characters are black. I think Michelangelo is white, but he's like a hippie. Dude. No, they're all black. They're all Mikey's black, black okay. too. Um, yeah, they're all black, and they do their thing. There was like a, you know, racist nerds out there saying that's wild, blah, blah, this and that, but they're turtles. Shut up. And they were always black. So, and look, in the 2012 version, and I'm not going to say the word, but you know, when they say my ninja, like, come on. It, it was there. Anyways, um, <laughs> the movie was great, dude. Like, there was this one scene you're going to cackle. Like, I think you're not going to stop laughing. Like, they they use the, the, the idioms and the jargon of, like, today's generation, but because mm-hmm. we can kind of use it, we say it facetiously, facetiously, like the we outside, but because yeah. in the movie, they're kids. They're not, they're teenagers, but they're young teenagers. So they're not mm-hmm. grown teenagers. So this is the aspect that we don't really see a lot is them being young. Um, in the movie, just like in the 2012 version, yeah, like in 2012, they've never been outside. So it starts out the same mm-hmm. way. And I love the way when they introduce, like, they start fighting. It's very... It's it's very fresh because they don't do this often. I think the only the only one to do this is the 2012 version, and this one to do it. What I love, Jackie Chan, perfect casting. For, like it's wild that they never casted him for for, for Splinter. Splinter, but for this version, um, it works. I remember my beef with the Jerry curls. It's just a flashback, so mm-hmm. but it works because it's like it make it just animation does a good job. And the way Splinter fights is how Jackie Chan fights in real life in all his movies. Oh, sick. So it works. So, like, there's in the current present, like, there's a point where he, like, does a flip and then he has to, like, crack his back. That's very Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get too into it. It works. It works. It works. Um, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let that simmer. See it soon. See it I soon. I have to. Well, because I've been slacking. I'm going to the movies. We gotta, we yeah, we have to. Have to. Like, that's one of those movies we got to do. Um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, reading. 
I couldn't talk about One Piece, but I don't want to get into spoiler territory. Great episode. Uh, it was an introduction to the, the major event. And Chapter, which unfortunately, Chapter came out. There's a break next week. Next week. Upsetting. I hate when there's a break. But uh, it, it was a dope chapter um, for those who love One Piece. Well, this past weekend, it was the big thing, right? It was Gear 5th, right? For the anime. But that's I'm not like getting into that. Yeah. But... I'd, but- yeah. An- another question I wanted to ask really quickly, and only you're going to be able to tell me this. Oh, because you're in your past zone now, so that's good. I don't, I don't trust the interwebs. So, Gear Fifth, didn't that happen like a while ago? Because I've been seeing animations of it for at least a couple months. People, people have done their own animation, but it wasn't like. Like we haven't seen in the actual after main the, line um, after the manga came out with when they that like, yeah I've been talking to Denny also for those who don't know Denny's our mutual friend me and Denny me and Denny are dope today so we've been talking we were talking about like we still get chills when it first dropped as a chapter I was like wow this was really good because I, I saw the manga chapter when it came out mm-hmm. like I don't I don't know the story behind it but I saw images mm-hmm. of. Uh, Gear Fifth. Yeah, and I was people, like, "Oh, this people, looks pretty cool." It's, it's all fan-made animations. Like people have doing been doing their own stuff. Mm, okay. Now that it's officially okay. out, the you know, with a bunch of animators have been Jujutsu Kaisen animators, uh, like head directors have been uh, because Gear Fifth is not just this past weekend. It's it's uh, going forward uh, for the next couple episodes. There was a rumor that it was supposed to be an hour, but that hasn't happened. Mm. We're supposed to have a new. Uh, opening, but that didn't happen. But the ending finally showed up, which is why I mentioned to you a couple. The opening was great. The opening is basically the end of the arc, which is weird, but I don't, mm. that's neither here nor there. Uh, but it looks crisp. And after you mentioned the ending, yeah. now since I'm back on yeah, the ship no making end. my it's way just, through, I'm realizing, I'm like, oh my God, there's really no ending. Yeah, and it's just, been like this forever. For years, bro. I was a teenager. And it's been that long. But um, what was I gonna say? Uh, yeah, it was Jujutsu Kaisen and like a lot of like famous, like very well fluided fluidity, fluid animation. Uh, mm-hmm. Work people working on this. WB was never working on it. That was just a rumor, and I won't. You understand why when, when you finally catch up to that because it's supposed to be mm-hmm. very. They use like those uh, toony sound effects. Um, mm. So, uh, but yeah, it, it is, it was a great episode. It made me smile when I watched it. Uh, same feeling I had when I first read it. So it was really good. Do we get to see him actually like doing stuff or was it just the it's, transformation? It's like, because just like the manga, they don't want to do show anymore. A lot of people would agree that they hated the fact they reused imagery. Like there's a point mm. where he transforms and he's just jumping in place. They reuse the same image for again. It's just to fill up the episode. But then, in my opinion, yeah. they should have just put some flashbacks. If you're gonna do that, mm. that kind of like coincide with it. And then, if that was the case, then they should have done that hour episode, which uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, and then someone just informed me that the episode, the anime, is six months behind the manga, so that's very close. So I can, and the fact that. Mm. They've been doing breaks, especially with the one month break that Oda did. It, it's getting close, but I think uh, 
because anime is not going to stop. It's just churning out every week while yeah. manga can just like take random breaks, which it is going on a break again. But um, I'm, I'm hyped for this this weekend because I stayed up for it too. Like, so when it comes out on, it comes out in Japan on Sundays. Mm-hmm. But for us, it's midnight for us. So if you stay up, gotcha. you stay up Saturday night, you catch it. So like by, I think it was like 1130 it comes out. And I, I like twelve fifty nine put one on Crunchyroll and it was there. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was dope. I loved it. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that I saw. Still on my Seinfeld stuff. I haven't really been reading besides, like I said, the manga chapter of One Piece. Mm. Playing, dude. I have not played. I have not turned on my PS Five since I came back from Comic Con. I was going to play today, but I just had too much stuff to do today. But yeah, I think that my highlight was TMNT. Like it was, it was just that good. Definitely going to see it again Friday. Yeah. So like for me, it's, it's been the same. Like I really haven't had the time to do a lot of stuff. Like last week, you know, coming off of the con over the weekend, you know, we did our episode on Tuesday, but then the rest of the week, I was just kind of like swamped with work and stuff. Um, then this past weekend, I was actually away again. I went with um, m- my parents, my sister and Erica. We all went to like a beach house for the weekend and we didn't get back till, you know, Sunday evening. Yeah. So I didn't have it like any free, you know, quote unquote free time uh, during that. And then this week, it's also been the same thing. So for me watching like. Last week and you know this week, I've been back on One Piece, trying to like go and through them. I was them. so I have... hyped that you text me like, "Yo, what's your uh, Crunchyroll pass?" I was like, "No, ah, gonna <laughs> get back on, finally catch up." But yeah, so I have Good. officially, I can announce now in front of everyone, I've officially cracked episode eight hundred. I am now in the eight hundreds, a feat I once thought impossible has now been slayed before my eyes. And the crazy thing is that you, if when we had the time in college, you could have done it one summer with Dan. Well, I could have, yeah, I mean, I guess, Because I yeah. think we were in the four five hundreds, and that too, we was were, like, yes. insurmountable. Like, you're like, I'm never going to do 500. I think, yeah, I think we were close to 500 because Denny, the mutual friend we were just talking about, he did it one summer. And, and he just, and he caught all the way up in, read it in like a two or three months time span yeah so it was doable it's it was definitely more doable than it is now yeah but i'm i'm making my way downtown walking fast aces pass and i'm homebound so <laughs> love it obviously um like you mentioned before i'm past the zoark um Talk I'm about now... the thing that you were flabbergasted it's not spoiler at this point because people should know so if you're about a one fan of you text big mom game, or um, about big mom foreshadow Dude, okay, so I'm now there. I get what's the name of the, it's not the Wano arc, right? Because okay. this is okay, Disney esque. Uh, yeah, it's very like is Disney Alice in Wonderland, Disney um, Alice in Wonderland, and something else. It's 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 like scary Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. So and there's even homages to it, like you know the the forest that comes alive, um, the different characters that are like anthropomorphic there's even a white rabbit like it, it, there's a lot of stuff um like there are very there's a lot of parallels to alice in wonderland 
and you can even see Big Mom as the um the Queen of Hearts. Like it's like a lot of the same stuff. But oh my goodness, the foreshadowing that Oda has is God. unmatched. Godly. It's godly. You just forget it. Like that's something I always remembered. But if he does that with a lot of things, and it's like just forget it is, about it. For the One Piece fans, it's gear 10. Gear 10 level foreshadowing. It is absolutely ridiculous. So, what is it, the Oppenheimer of, of, of stories? <laughs> I said, I'll, I'll actually, I'll, I'll bring up the text message because it, it blew my mind so, like, like so completely you had, you that I to, needed, I, te- I texted Jay. You had to collect your brain matter and just. So, fight. I said, yes, I said, I said that he was a Oppen- Oppenheimer, Einstein, Hawking, DeCrasse, Tyson, Nye-ass level literary genius. <laughs> so, what I'm talking about for everyone who's watching One Piece, um, I passed the Wano arc, I'm on Whole Cake, and uh, we find out that a big-headed guy, we thought well, he was get, giant, that he's not. the Zoark. Yes, I passed the Zoark. So, his name is Pound. He was in this, uh, in this was it the seducing forest where Nami, Luffy, Chopper, and their friend Carrot, they've been kind of like running around in circles, battling bad guys, all that crap. So we find out that one of the characters that they meet there named Pound is one of Big Mom's ex-husbands. He's also the father to a character named Lola. Lola was in the thriller Bark arc freaking like 500 episodes ago i was in i was in like eighth grade probably dude she first showed up as a half like warthog yeah she was the um, zombie she was the zombie hololo's zombie's shadow yeah yes and you know she comes in con- contact with nami uh they actually form a little bit of a friendship and all that later on in her human form meets nami again you know thanks her and all this stuff and this is, I think that's still pre-time skip. Yes, that is pre-time no. skip. That is pre-time skip, right? Okay, so yeah. Because, yeah, this is pre-time sk- separated, yeah. Pre-time skip gives Nami a Viver card and is like, hey, you might need this. This is for my mom. And this is before we even really knew what Viver cards and, were. Yeah, and then she was like, oh, you can use this to find my mom. Uh, yeah. because She was she like, oh, a piece she of She can paper? help you out. Yeah. And then finally, in episode freaking 802 or whatever it is, Nami is like talking with this guy Pound, realizes the connection, realizes it's Lola, digs around to find the Viva card, and is like, oh, this thing? And it's like, this is B- Big Moms. And it's like literally something from like straight up 400 episodes comes to a close. Like, he finally fills in that gap of like why it mattered that Lola was there. Like it's so insane. And it's, it, it's to the same level of like when we get to see Do Flamingo in like episode 60 or whatever it was, like when they first showed uh, him all and seven, Bartholomew, yeah, when they show all seven lane warlords and it's like, he was one of the longest characters to not have a named ability, but we knew it had something to do with strings. It's like, and it, it was like, so, and I mean, even now, I mean, I've already, you know, in the show, in the anime, we've already seen Kaido a couple of times. Yeah. 
and he does not really show up until like currently that Luffy's battling him now. Oh, you mean like in the current anime? Yes. So you yeah. first you first see him when his grandfather after CP nine when he talks about all the four emperors. Yes, but the drawings, yeah. this, the the the, and that's the thing. You only saw notice, his like silhouette. So it wasn't you'll know his... this, and you'll know this because you went through it. Oda is, he loves doing silhouettes because he's not mm-hmm. beholden to the character design. That design does not look like the Kaido we know now. So it looks like some just fat random thing yeah. just behind the silhouette. And people assume that like that was a transformation, but it's like, no, that was just Oda being Oda. He loves drawing silhouettes because he loves to do it. Like there's a point mm-hmm. where, because you're in post time scale, there's a new uh, admiral. But he does a silhouette. But when you finally see the design, that silhouette does not match the, mm. the, the thing. So, but then that was the first time you encounter or see Kaido. And then later on, there's a point where uh, Kaido falls from the sky. And that's like, that's the design that you know of, of uh, Kaido. But, but we've, I've been seeing like random like snippets of like his face and stuff. And it's his actual design. Like I, I recognize him. Yeah, you, and it's, you've seen I him mean, already, I believe. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. So if I saw him in the 750s, and Luffy is fighting him now in the thousand whatever, like that's another one. Like in reality, it's we're talking about closing the loop on a story hole, like 300 episodes down. Like this is it's insane to see how far because to see how far it like he's kind of set these things up because when you think about it. When you're watching it like me and you're you're kind of blowing through, right? Because it's all there. It's easy to forget that these things are years apart. Like years. Yeah, for someone like me, it's years apart. Because like, I I would be like, wow, like I remember this from episode. Like I and for someone who's watched the first five hundred episodes many many times, it I can be like, oh, that happened like episode two. Like I can say mm-hmm. that, but then it's like. After like, and I'm just spitballing, but after like 500, it's like a little muddy for me, but I still remember like things. Like I can tell you where things mm-hmm. are, but it's, it's, it's wild. Like it's just crazy yeah, how it, things close up. It's intense to see somebody set something up five years before it comes to fruition. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a, a crazy ability. That's literally his. Whatever devil fruit he ate, like it's for writing. Like it's like, and that's the thing too. He, he has the foreshadow, foreshadow fruit power because he, it's ridiculous. <laughs> he's such a good writer too. Like not to just be on, just on him for too much. Um, but yes, I can do that forever. Um, he, and I've said this many times, I believe on the show. Like he writes, and he doesn't like when people prove his like have theories and are correct. Because when he yeah. finds that out, he just pivots. He always mm-hmm. pivots in his storytelling and it, the fact that it still works. Because he's like, yeah. oh, you figured out this guy was a a, a, a freaking cow? I'm going to make him a pig. Whatever. Yeah. Like, he'll just say, I'm like, yeah, and it doesn't make sense, but it works. And that's what I like about him. So, I've been back on the One Piece bandwagon, um, back on the One Piece ship. Um, and beyond that, I mean, it's just been like my normal little stuff watching here and there. I mean, Modern Family, Parks and Rec, Big Bang Theory, I, th- I think I mentioned last week. I'm yeah. still watching an episode or here, like, or two, one, uh, here and there. 
that's pretty much it. Reading, definitely not. And then games, I've been in the same boat. Like, I played a little, like, last week. Like, maybe an hour or two last week. And I was actually able to finally finish Star Wars uh, Survivor. Jedi Survivor. And, you know, I actually hit up Jay right after that. And I was kind of, like, disappointed with the ending. Like, you know, the the game did so much to set up going to Tantalor, to the final planet, this hidden planet, and, like, doing all these things. Then there's that big twist towards the end. And it did so much to set it up. And then you finally get there, and it's you spend all of 20 minutes there. And I was just kind of like, oh, man. Like, I... <laughs> get it the, story, the ending is... i think the story was great but i didn't spend time there like you again you built up tunnel or like look uh what's the bad the bad guy's name though not the true bad guy i don't want to spoil that but the other bad guy. D- uh dagon yeah dagon. Like, that was such a red herring spoiler alert um but when we finally get there it's such a red hair uh, it's such a it's, uh letdown because it's like Again, I wish there was another planet that we could have visited or maybe spent more time on Tantalor. Like, maybe someone followed us there. It was like a group of stormtroopers that obviously wouldn't make it back because if if the Empire found out about it, you know, like, I wish there was something we could have spent time there. We just get there and it was like 20 minutes. Yeah, the ending was just so, like, flat. You know, the, the last battle is cool and all. You know, the story beats that led up to it. It wasn't the hardest fight in the game by far. It wasn't. I still think that um, fight was the dead. Darth Vader was way harder. I spent way more spoiler time. Also spoilers. Yeah, That's I like guess. <laughs> I mean, I, there was a Darth Vader. Now, there was a Darth Vader battle in the first game too. Well, yeah, but not a lot of people know about this one. I didn't. I was I not expecting it. I kept thinking it was going to happen, and then it finally happened. And my first thoughts were, and I think I we finally we can finally say this because we already beat it. I just wanted him to kill me because I just didn't want... That's how scared of Vader I am in a non-fictional setting. I do not want to fight him. Like, my initial reaction in the first game was turn around and run. And then if you Which is the right thing to do. Which is the right thing to do because I've seen videos where you try to fight him, he just murks you. So, in this time, you're not playing as, you know, the main character, not to get into that spoiler. I was just like, just kill me now. Just end the life. And every time you do, like, a sequence, I'm like, let this be the last thing because I don't want to spend time fighting Vader. He yeah, there's like he has this is not my final my final mode, and then he just does it. I'm like, oh. he does it like four times, and then he. What's crazy, and you know, this is kind of like that id software game mechanic thing. It's not an id software game, but you know, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, and what was the last one? The Hero. No, well, that one too. Elden Ring. Elden Ring. You know, it's this thing where, you know, the battles take place across different, like, transitions. So, the enemies will, as you proceed and as their life gets you know, lower, they start getting new attacks or, like, their attack combos elongate. So, whatever, like, pattern you've gotten into, you now have to adjust according to what they're doing. And he does that, like, four times throughout the yeah, fight. Like, and we were he gets increasingly harder. Like, there's this thing where he uses the force to do, like, this compressed ball Oh, my thing. God. And then it's, like, after the second or third move where he does it to demonstrate it. And then, like, depending on how many times you fight him, like, there'll be one time he doesn't use it at all. And then when he, they're like, okay, I got this. And he just spams it. I'm like, 
that doesn't make sense to me. Now I can't get up. Yep. I can't dodge. Um, yeah, the move, the move, his move set changes. And there was one time where I didn't even stand a chance. I literally started the battle, and he immediately threw three of these like force objects at yeah. me, and I died. Yeah. Like there was nothing for me to do. The only time you would have beat beaten him was when he like I guess played fair. So like yeah. he did use those move sets, but it wasn't like it. It seemed natural to the story progression, where it's not like okay, the game is just like doing this to you. But, yeah, like, and the thing is, like they punished you for like you had to stay close combat with Vader. Because he would then punish you if you were too far behind, if you were too far oh, away yeah, from there him. Oh, yeah, there was, yeah, there were, I never, for him and certain characters, unless you had to stay away, I always fought close combat unless it was the big, like, toughest one for me initially was the Ranker or that oh, yeah. the long tongue thing. But then I remember telling you when we first started playing the game, I just forget my utility belt. I was like, oh, wait, I can do this. Like, instead yeah. of dodging i was jumping i'm like no i should be dodging because dodging does help because with the added force uh, mechanic it does block you know it does dodge certain attacks and with that game too speaking of there was a whole game mechanic that i just didn't use until the end to like the last hour of the game you find so, feel like you're exodia at that point Here's yeah the- when you like when you can stop time i didn't use that until there's a point in the game where literally it like it doesn't it, it like forces you to do it because it progresses. You mean the, story. the red one or the there's a red stop time where you're just berserker mode and then there's one. Yeah, that one. Oh, that one. About that one. Okay. The other one like where you like stop it and hold and like yeah that I I used a couple times but the other one where you literally stop everything and you can just like go ham on stuff. I was like, damn, I wish I used this earlier because I would have been able to mow down like hordes way easier. Yeah, definitely can't use that on bosses. No, but I used it on. Because I used it on the, the last boss. No, I used oh. it on the the very last one, and it helped me finish the fight. Okay, I didn't use it on him because I know, like, whenever we did those like in-game things that you found, like you you do your focus and you go into that realm. Mm-hmm. Like when depending on yeah, you can't do it in there. No, you can't. I've done it unless I did you the, can. I think I did the blue one. Now I just can't recall. But anyway, I know I used it like... A well, again, I didn't use it till the end, so... You probably can, but if you go back and play, you probably can. But yeah. But yeah. And the thing is, with the last boss fight, he's way faster than everyone else you fought, so you can still use it, and you have that, like, berserker mode kind of going for you, but he's still moving, like, pretty fast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like... It's, it's, such a, it's such a red herring, because it's just like... You think this guy's the last Jedi or the mm-hmm. survivor, but he is the survivor. Like this whole time, yeah. you're thinking like, "Oh, he's just a guy," and you know the the trailer makes it seem like he's your best friend, and it's it, it kind of sucked when like I emotionally like the whole story was emotional. Like I felt it. Like I felt sad at the end. I was like, "Damn!" And then the daughter. I was like, "But again, I just didn't spend too much time in this world." Like, and then I was telling my friend uh, Carlos, I was just like. In the first game, I felt like I spent good time here. Mm-hmm. I guess it was like a learning curve or something, but like this one, it just felt too short for me. And I wasn't yeah. playing every day. Like every time I went back to it, I was like, okay, I'm at the end of the game. But I was like, that's it. Well, remember, I like I took a long break while I was playing, and I still feel like, but yeah, exactly. You it was I mean? super it was short. short. 
And I did like the, the main planet too, where that was your hub. But that to me is the only open world space. And I remember I was telling him yeah. too, like, I would have loved to go to Coruscant again. I know story wise, it makes sense to why you shouldn't be there because, you know, Palpatine is there. But mm-hmm. I would have liked to have done a, like a double back where I had to go there and do something like give keep me engaged, like with other filler stuff. I, I understand like there's the bounty stuff, mm-hmm. but that just takes you to the same planets. Like if you took me to a new planet reserved to bounty stuff, then sure. When you look at the map, it's just, it seems so. It, the map is so big on the hollow table and you just go into three spots over and over again. One of them is and, a Yeah, yeah, one of them is super small and it's and, and like like we keep saying you built up the last world for so long and for it to be so so short. It kind of sucked, you know? And there wasn't even a lot going on there. It was very much on rails like you went from point A to point B and then you did the point B thing, game ended. Like, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the, like, I was very emotionally invested. But I think the first one wins out because the exploration was so much better, I think. Like, I think, yeah, it, it lacked on this one. Like, it had everything. It wasn't. The first one was just smaller. Yeah, it wasn't as open world, but I was okay with it. Like, in the first one, we also got, like, random cameos. Like, I remember when I saw Chewbacca, like, a young Chewbacca, I freaked out. Out because it was there's no reason for him to be there. It's just like your paths crossed. Same thing with um, oh my gosh, Lawrence Fishburne's character. You mean uh, no, not Lawrence Fish, Sam Whitaker, Whitaker Forrest Whitaker, Forrest Whitaker, that guy, Saul Guerrero, Saul Guerrero. Yep, Saul Guerrero. Like when I saw him, like, and I was like, oh snap! And like, that's another thing he's mentioned in this game. I thought we would revisit mm-hmm. that because he's still working for him. And his character model in the data bank, if you look at his, like, like where he's mentioned and, like, what he has to do with the story, he's older. But he looks closer to the uh, Rogue One. Yeah, it's just, like, you know, he doesn't have the crazy hair, but he's older than what you saw him in the first game. So, yeah, there's, like, assets that they didn't deliver on. Yeah. Like, it, it would have been nice to at least maybe get, like, a hologram message for him, from him or something. Something small. But, um... Like I enjoyed the new characters that they brought in and like the people in the saloon and stuff. I loved their little like side stories. Um, getting to know them had benefits and like, you know, going through like the talking, like if you went down there, uh, dialogue trees and stuff, like you got to unlock certain things or you got more Intel or like you uncovered rumors and stuff. Like that was fun. And then I also enjoyed the side stuff, like getting the fish, um, doing the hollow tactics game. Like that kind of stuff was cool. But yeah, just I missed the worlds. The first one had a bunch of worlds and they all like served a purpose. Some of them were for you to like learn more, like, you know, get more in tune with the force or learn different tactics. And then other ones introduce characters and like there was just more worlds that you could get lost in. And although it wasn't a massive open world experience, like it was just different environments and stuff. This time around, it was so. I don't even know. It was just like. Like, the, when you first see Koba, it's like this massive desert planet, and it's like, okay, cool. And then you go to a moon that's a facility, you know? And then it's like, all right, cool. And then you go to another world that's like the same thing as Koba, and you're like, all right, cool. Like, the, the environment's never really changed too much. There is a lot to do in these games. It's just I wish 
I, I just I would have sacrificed that whole open world concept to get more planets, more missions on different planets. Yeah, and then that's what I was telling my friend too. I was just like, it's they're probably saving that two different companies in a sense, but still, the, yeah. The, I know games are trying to be more canon. Outwalls is going to be the the open world game that we want. Yeah, I agree. And now when the next game comes out, I feel like I'm just going to get it digitally because I went hard to get this physically. I was like, I want this. Mm. That's yeah. To, no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah, beyond that, um, that's it for me. I haven't really done too much else. But I think we could go ahead and wrap it up now. As always, uh, we are The Average Jays. You can follow us on Instagram at The Average Jays Podcast. Uh, we are on other stuff like TikTok, YouTube. It's always The Average Jays Podcast. Twitter, we've actually been kind of like taking a break from at the moment because now it is X. There's a lot of things going on there. So for our official updates on the show, what we're doing, when we're going live, all that stuff, you can catch us on Instagram at The Average Jays Podcast. You can always watch us here live on twitch.tv slash The Average Jays every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Remember, stick around for the After Dark segment, which is what we do typically every episode afterwards where we break down a topic and we are live, unfiltered, unedited, and we get to talk with the chat and everything. But this week, remember, we are also going to reveal the winner for the raffle. So if you stick around just, I don't know, four or five minutes and then we'll go back live and we'll uh, we'll do the After Dark. But as always, thank you guys for tuning in and listening. I'm Jay, just Ruiz. And I'm Jay, German Francois. And we'll catch you on the next one. Catch you on the flippity flip.